Hello everyone, Happy New Year and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non League podcast, the very first of the year and of the 20s. How exciting. As always, the show is sponsored by Workforce Dimensions Limited and it's good to see Sam was out and about again on New Year's Day. A jam-packed show for you this week as we reflect on the Christmas period that at times has been chaotic for some of our clubs both on and off the field. I'm sure we're going to forget something along the way, so apologies in advance if we do miss anything from your clubs. In fact, I got a long way down the script before I even realised we had to tell you about the games on the Saturday before Christmas as well. Uh, as always, I'm John Phipps, and on the line now is a man who, unlike me, is back to work today. Of course, that being because I haven't had a day off since December the 19th. Matt Gerard, my violin is here and ready, so please tell us all about how hard it is being back in the office. Yeah, it wasn't... Um... My first word when I woke up and walked into the office was an expletive. So, um, but as I say, every time I go away, my old mum says, "You've got to come back to go away again." So I always think of that. But once um, get these two days off, I actually am off on Monday because I've got to look after the kids because they're not back to school on the Tuesday. They get some plenty of time off the kids. So yeah, I'll be back. You just got to get back into that routine because over the last what ten days, it's just. A, it's flown by, which is absolutely mental, probably. And then B, you're not used to sort of not eating and drinking and having good times, really. So, um, yeah, back into it, 2020, here we go again, another year. So, um, what else can I say, really? Yeah, a little bit disappointed to come back to work. It just went too bloody quick, to be honest. And I am disappointed that was a Swiss-based company. They don't come back to the sixth as well. <laughs> Which annoyed me. You, you said that but, November, October and November were rubbish months. So surely now, yeah, all right, you're off on Monday, but it must be a long time until you've got like some proper leave booked because most people, and I'm not including myself in this, don't go on holiday in January or February, do they? So surely this is the start of a slog now, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is a bit, to be honest, but I've got, got half term off. Well, a couple of days off in half term. Um, it's my mum and dad's birthday in January, so apart from that, not much really goes on in January. Most of January, I'm praying for a bit of snow so I can go and play with kids in the snow. That's probably the highlight of January. Look at the weather. Thinking, is it going to snow this week? But probably not, is it? So that's, yeah, so nothing really. January's got Notts County away to look forward to. Wow. Not many people have said that, have they? So, uh, yeah, apart from that, no, just keep your nut down and wait for the summer when the beach hut comes back, which is the next target, really. Once the beach hut comes back, I can get really excited about the summer. Um, how was your Christmas? Yeah, busy, um, went really quick. We didn't get a Nintendo Switch, but my youngest daughter is wants it more than the eldest daughter, so she got loads of money for Christmas and then basically said, I can buy a Nintendo Switch. She didn't have the amount of money to buy a Nintendo Switch, but we said, well, maybe we could lend you the money to do it in, but it's not in stock anywhere. I'm hoping that she may have forgotten about that and we just buy it for her for her birthday. Oh, so, cool. So, but so yeah, but all in all, plenty of socks, new socks, which is pleasing for me. Um, most of it we spent when we're not out watching Walking Dead on the telly, to be honest. So, but it was nice. It was a nice, nice break. It's a nice break um, over Christmas because even the company I work for and I work in the computer IT, so everything shuts down. So you're not worried about things breaking because nobody's working, sort of thing. So it's always a nice break, the Christmas break. So, and I did say to somebody this morning, I was trying to work it out what 2020 is like in terms of days off as well, because we cut shut down over Christmas. I think, mm, I think New Year's Day is on a Friday next year, so probably going to have to come back to about the 4th, so works in a little bit of some way. But yeah, I should be looking not that far forward, but living day by day. 
Excellent. Well, I had a good Christmas. Busy, very busy. But between us, me and Haley have been ill pretty much all over the whole time. She had it first, and I've had it. I think this is the second time round for this coldy, coughy, horrible thing. That's Did been... you have a flu jab? No, I'm no, I'm 38. Why would I have a flu jab? Well, kids have it. You should have the flu jab. No, I'll be fine. I just, I just generally just got a bit of a cold. It's all right. I'll survive. We had a bit of a New Year's Eve party, although I wasn't much fun because I was uh, not feeling particularly great and. Uh, I was supposed to be going to see you yesterday, but I also uh, had to cry off that one as well due to this illness. So you had guests another Christmas, did you? So you... Yeah. Yeah, every day. Where we had... did they go? Did they stay in or the people going out for Christmas dinner and stuff like that? Really? Uh, a couple of them stayed in all day. Um, we thought that we might be in a situation where they have smaller breakfasts on Christmas Day. Well, that, we were absolutely wrong about that. One of them had the biggest breakfast I've ever seen on Christmas morning. Really? Yeah, so that was entertaining. Um, so we... Well, have we asked this question before, but what do you serve? On a breakfast? Uh, we serve a, a choice of eggs, fried, scrambled or poached. Yeah, uh, nice. And then we offer bacon, sausage, tomato, hash browns, fried mushrooms, uh, vegetarian sausage, gluten-free sausage. Basically every, everything you, you could you could want. Apart from black big, pudding. Sorry? This bloke went big. He, went, he, went, he had two of most things. Uh, going back... Are you doing vegan January? I'm not. What is a vegan sausage? You tasted a vegan sausage? <laughs> for now, for now. <laughs> um, we've, we don't have vegan ones. We have vegetarian ones. Yeah, right. uh, the vegetarian ones are quite pleasant. We did have a challenge the other week when uh, someone was both vegan, uh, was both uh, vegetarian and gluten-free. Uh, now, we have vegetarian sausages and we have gluten-free sausages. Unfortunately, they are not the same thing. Uh, and it was actually incredibly hard to find a vegetarian gluten-free sausage. But you know what? I went and found one, so kudos to me. Were they expensive? No, fine, Linda McCartney. Uh, uh, right. Yeah, that was... Uh, but yeah, no. well, apart from that, um, no, nothing. Yeah, it was just a nice, solid break, really. Um, yeah, it was... We're doing loads of... You know, you do, it, we're in every, out every day doing stuff, so that's that's probably why it goes so blooming quick, really, because it's... You know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, the time just flew past. I'm sure it gave... When I've been here since... I'll pass late this morning. It hasn't flown past that quick, you know. So, but that's life, I suppose. Isn't it? Have you seen the thing on, uh, on a well-known social media site, The Poke, this morning? No. Uh, so they were they uh, knowing that a lot of people are going back to work today. Uh, they have produced a thing. You know those uh, your snowman name or something like that. Oh yeah. yeah. They've produced a very very handy guide. Uh, for people going back to work today. So uh, it's possibly come too late for you now, Matt. But. Uh, I can tell you that uh, what they have put is uh, the how was your Christmas generator uh, and it basically says whatever your first name is and whatever your surname is uh, the responses are please just F off and leave me alone so uh, you know that's uh, that, that, that is and that is something yeah. that um, the, the two people us being both self-employed uh, were very very grateful this morning that the only person we had to ask how their Christmas and New Year was when we got back was each other because we've and we've seen each other so we always play the game when one of my old bosses here because he'd, he'd ask somebody happy new year in march how the longest time we could get him to say happy new year and i think he got into the middle of march one time when he spoke to somebody we discussed that before like on the show so yeah. your challenge is to beat that this year yeah yeah i do i do yeah, that, that always, i always think about that i always think of him when he says that from there but apart from that yeah back in the grind back on the horse let's go Let's go indeed. It's our 105th episode this week and I've literally just learned that apparently 105 is the number to dial for emergency help and advice if you have a power cut. Uh, it is also a Shimano Road group set. 
which is something to do with a Japanese bike manufacturer, but neither of us can ride a bike. That makes as much sense to us as, well, this podcast probably does to people who've never heard of football. Go back, if I've got a power cut, yep. I dial 105. 105, yep. Oh, all right. They need to make that known. Well, if you Google 105, that comes up with I, yeah, I don't right, know what yeah. happens if you Google power cut help. But, uh, yeah, 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 105, well, apparently. Yeah, well, I suppose everybody's got a phone, so you can do it on the computer, I suppose. Um, yeah. in, learns, that's, I've learnt something in 2020 already. Exactly. That and could people, become useful sometime. People say this podcast is just it's just nonsense. Well, I've just taught people something. 105. If you have a power cut this, this January, when it starts snowing, according to Matt Gerrard, you know to dial 105 and they will help you out. I'd love to know what 106 is, but we can find out next week. Hopefully we can, yeah. Yeah, Right, uh, where to start then? I'll tell you what, let's just do it in order, top to bottom, as that's probably easier for me and my capacity of not missing things out. So we'll begin with the National League, and 24 hours ago, I was pretty worried about how high my co-host was going to be with Dover Fizzit winning two games without conceding over Christmas. But thankfully, Neil Smith's men put him back in his place on New Year's Day with a resounding 3-0 win for Bromley. Uh, but overall, Matt, a pleasing Christmas time for Dover Athletic. Yeah, I, I think six points out of nine when I spoke to Andy Hessenthal, he was absolutely delighted with that. And to be honest, so was I, because that gives us looking up rather than down, even though Bromley um, did give us a bit of a, a pace in yesterday, but that didn't sort of do the whole picture because Dover was a much better side for the first 44 minutes before they gave away an absolute ridiculous penalty. And then um, they've capitulated that and Bromley showed the quality that they've had. But... Yeah, well, we're at Dover now, what, 13th at the table? Six, still quite tight down the bottom, isn't it, on my phone? So, it's a thing from there. Yeah, we're, we're looking up, we're looking okay now. So, we've got a break for 10 days. I think Andy Hessenthal will be pleased. Um, two clean sheets, beating Ebsleet, bragging rights there. Uh, even though it was a little bit fortunate, but yeah, yeah, all in all, a decent Christmas for Dover and... I'm tipping now they won't reach the playoffs. I've reached that conclusion. They'll finish mid mid table somewhere and then look to go ahead next season. But yeah, probably I expect to get in the playoffs. So there you go. It's my two Nostradamus tips of 2020. Excellent. Yeah. So it was Chorley one, Dover one on the Friday before Christmas, on the Saturday before Christmas. Sorry. Uh, then three nil win for Dover on Boxing Day over Bromley. A one nil win at Ebbsfleet on. Saturday and then on New Year's Day they were beaten 3-0 at Bromley uh, so level pegging between those two and and Bromley Matt you've you've obviously seen them a couple of times did, did they impress you on New Year's Day? Not for the first 44 minutes no but um, Stover were on the front foot hassling their midfield you know they've got some good players Bromley got good three midfielders and they've got cheek up front and again we'll go back to my mate Effie on if the chance that he missed which was pretty poor after 12 minutes whatever it was when he should have scored, I said at the time in the commentary, if that had fallen to Michael Cheek, that's 1-0. And that is the quality I think Bromley have got. A, they've got a goal scorer, and B, they share the goals around. You think of the players that got Coulson, Mechie wasn't involved yesterday, um, Frankie Raymond's got a wicked left foot, Bingham, Josh Reese who scored a good goal. You think they've got the overall package there, Bromley. Winning games... Shows the court, but again, they show the standard of the league. They've only won four league games out of 14, but they're still third place in the league, only a couple of points at the top. So, yeah, I think Bromley have got all-round package. They've got goals in the team, which I don't think Dover have at that point, and I think that's why Bromley will get in the playoffs. Can they do it from there? Anything can happen. But, yeah, Michael Cheek's a good player, and if Dover had Michael Cheek playing in the first half, 
Dover would have won. So that shows how crucial Michael Cheek is to Bromley. But yeah, I'm pleased for Neil Smith and we've got 50 points now, so they're not going to go down. So that's one box ticked and they'll go from there. For Dover, I think, yeah, unless they can bring a goal scorer in from somewhere who can take these chances or somebody to score goals rather than the strikers, I think middle of the table could be where they're going to be. But I think the most pleasing thing over the new year was two clean sheets and Merson came in the side and I thought he's had two excellent games. He's been working on his kicking. He had two excellent games against Emsley and Bromley. Yeah, Bromley obviously were beaten by Eastley on um, the Saturday before Christmas and then lost at, at Dover on Boxing Day. So it might have been all doom and gloom. But then back-to-back 3-0 wins for them to end 2019, start 2020. And that's only going to set them on in good stead. And I did sort of chuckle there when he said about Neil Smith getting his first aim. They're going to go on and on, aren't they, Bromley? Yeah, I, I think um, they're in a good position there. They, uh, you look at Barrel and Yeovil who seem to be winning matches. Bromley going to try and keep on their coattails. I think getting in the blast will be a fantastic achievement for Fantastic achievement for Neil Smith. And as we've mentioned before on various um, things, they did their transfer window, transfer business so early and you can see that's coming to fruition. And they've got a player in Reese, who now is, they've thinking of the formation to get him in, and he's a good player, and he will score goals as well. And this, again, if you've got a team that scores goals, you've got a chance in this division, and probably have got that. Yeah, and I cannot wait for the 3G pitch uh, debate to rear its head again towards the end of this season. Uh, that leaves us then in the National League with Ebbsfleet United. Uh, their game against Woking was postponed on the Saturday before Christmas. Uh, they had a pair of 1-1 draws with Dagenham and Redbridge. Either side of that defeat at home to Dover Athletic on Saturday, the 28th of December. Uh, but the big news at Ebbsfleet uh, this week has been the appointment of a director of football. And it's a man that Matt and I know very well. Former Jill's boss, Steve Lovell. What did you make of that one, Matt? My first thinking, why do Ebbsfleet need a director of football? I'm not saying that's a bad thing to Steve Lovell, because Steve Lovell's got plenty of contacts in the game. It's another wage that they'll have to play out rather than, and we know their problems with the wages. Um would it be best spent on a player? Because Ebbsfleet were pretty, you know, solid against Dover. Dover scored a good goal. Second half, Ebbsfleet were on top. And you felt Ebbsfleet need a goal scorer. Again, I know they're not 10 a penny, but it's a, it's a, I'm glad to see Steve back in the game because he's a top bloke and he'll, he'll do a good job for Ebbsfleet. He just seemed a, a strange appointment. Do Ebbsfleet need a director of football at this time? I know they had plenty of coaches before um, under Darren McMahon. They didn't really need one then. Unless Steve Grit was a more experienced player, uh, member of the team was doing that sort of role. It's just, I'm quite surprised if they've gone down that route as a director of football. So we'll watch that story unfold, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one because their big problem at the moment isn't necessarily the, the players and everything. It is holding on to, to Leeds, isn't it? And obviously Dagenham... Uh, played, we're almost, we're almost including them in the Kent Only podcast because all of their fixtures uh, over the Christmas period were against Kent teams. Thrashed in the middle, 2 1 1 draws, sat their manager as well. Um, so I guess that's disappointing for, for Ebsley that they weren't able to hold on, especially on, on New Year's Day. Yeah, I felt that Ebsley needed, Ukwu is a good striker, I like Reed. But again, they need somebody to play off from that point of view. But they, obviously, I think. See, Kevin Watson talks a good game. When we look at the league table now, 25. They're still seven points outside the drop zone. So that's a, it's a lot to make up when you've got 16 odd games to play. So 18 games to go, whatever it is. So Steve Lovell will do a, a good job. I think they maybe need a refresh, particularly in the, in the attacking 
side of the field if they can bring players in. It'd be interesting to see what players they go. Will they bring in loan players from the Football League because a lot of them are going back or will they bring in permanent signings? But Steve Lovell, as we know, has got a thirst and a hunger for the game. So it's a good appointment for Epstein, but it's, I didn't expect him to go in as a... Cause he's a good coach. He's worked with the Youngsters. I didn't expect him to go in a director of football role, but I hope it works out for him. Yeah, four games without a win for Epstein United. And, and, uh, and although Matt says they're that maybe they need to fresh something up in attack. They've actually scored 38 goals, which is more than Dover have. Yeah, it's yeah, at the yeah. back they've got problems. 51 they've conceded, which is the joint third worst in the division. So they've got to try and find a way of, of sorting that out. But the, And the, the worrying thing is as well, they've had a disappointing run. Yeah, they've only lost one in one in the last five, but they haven't won in four games. And it's now seven points between them and safety. And they've got to pick up some results quickly, haven't they? Maybe they need a little bit of character in the middle of the park somebody who will experience to see these games out because I think both games against Dagenham they can see with five minutes to go so that must be frustrating for it so you know they've that good run under Kevin Watson the new manager bounce it's going to be tough for them to get out of this hole but they, they can do it they've got some good players in that squad <laughs> I just think yeah, you mentioned their scoring goals defensively you know they're pretty okay against David the keeper's going off now I see to to a broad bring a new goalie in. It'll be interesting to see from that because he's off on his uh, the Olympic trials. So, yeah. Uh, Charles Webster, I know on BBC Red Eken, he's convinced they're going down. But we see that. You, you know, you bring two or three fresh races in, it could be the, the way to go. But tough game this weekend against Barrow. But, you know, strange things have happened. They could go to Barrow and win. Exactly, yes, as Matt has just said, it's Barrow against Ebbsfleet United and Notts County against Bromley this weekend. No game for Dover. Have they just moved that game with Hartlepool back a week because you're both out of the trophy? Is that what's gone on? Yeah, well, Hartlepool are in the FA Cup. They've got Oxford, I think it is. Ah, of course. So, so they're in the FA Cup, so they were supposed to be playing Hartlepool, both out of the trophy, so it's been moved back a week. So um, Dover haven't got a, a game for a week, which maybe it's um, uh, a good thing for them. Interesting to see, because the following week, I was speaking to somebody at Bromley, Bromley's game... They're not playing because they're at the trophy. And they wanted to move a game from Easter against Bournemouth Wood to that um, Saturday, the 11th. But the league told them no, because it gives unfair advantage on other sides who have to play two games over Christmas. Wow. And do you know what I want to say to that? Absolute poppycock. That is absolutely nonsense. Both that... teams were quite happy to move it. And, and why? And he just said it's unfair on other sides. But that's the luck of the draw, isn't it? They want to move the fixtures. That's, if both clubs are keen on that, They'd rather be playing games where well, they've got the opportunity to play games, because uh, I'm sure other games from probably away could be called off and they'll have to pick in games when they don't want to. So, yeah, it doesn't make sense on that basis to me. No, absolute madness. Right, International League South then will start uh, by talking about Dartford, who, after losing one at home to Concord on the Saturday before Christmas, had a fantastic festive period. 3-0 win at Welling uh, on Boxing Day, a 3-0 win over Tunbridge Angels, and then a 4-0 win over Welling uh, to round off the, the Christmas period. That is an absolutely phenomenal result, or week for, for Steve King and Dartford. It was probably good that they were playing Welling. We'll talk about Welling in a minute. The problems that I, they've got. Moved off into the playoff positions. Steve King, again, he's probably, that side is completely different from what he started the season, but he's got players working for him. He's got Ajimang, who I've seen play for Aldershaw. He's an absolute handful. Got him on loan. Elliot Romain, top goal scorer in the division. So, yeah, Steve King will be absolutely delighted with that. Um, yeah, if they can only beat the sides on paper that you're in front of. So, fair place for them. Steve King is a good manager and, he, and he's impressing me how he's going on. And I know he's impressing the Dartford fans uh, how the football's been playing. 
and it, they're going in the right direction. And you would not back against them now getting into the playoffs. I would have to say that wasn't what he said on Radio Kent on Saturday, though, was it? Didn't he say then? Didn't look at the league tables. No, no, you, you didn't. You say if it was one of the two, you'd say Maidstone for the playoffs. Oh, did I? Yeah, well, I've seen, seen their two results from that point of view. Don't but, think, don't think well, you can you say know, things you know and change your mind, Matthew Gerrard. Don't think you can change your mind. I'm always listening. Uh, well, you're always listening. Well, clearly, you must be my biggest fan. Um, Steve King, you know our feelings on Maidstone, but they normally come good in the second half of the season. But Steve King, very experienced manager, clearly has remit to bring in players, ship players out. Doing a very good job. Why can't Mason and Darford both get in the playoffs? There exactly. Go. Um, good, good job Steve King's doing. Fair play to him. Yeah, I mean, I was at the Dartford game against Concord on the uh, Saturday before Christmas. And to be honest, people all around us were saying, oh, yeah, we've been playing good football under Steve King. We're going in the right direction. And they were pretty poor against Concord, beaten 1-0 by a penalty. Uh, Remain hit the post with a penalty of his own. Um, and my big thing that day for Dartford was that they just looked pretty... In midfield was where they had the problems. Um, the, 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 the two centre midfielders that day were Hyde and Winter. Um, and they both seemed so reluctant to get forward. And if you're going to play a 4-4-2, you can't really afford to have two midfielders who won't get forward and help things out. Um, so it's it, it's pleasing that they've been able to, to bounce back. And you say, we'll talk about Welling shortly. But three three wins in a row without conceding, uh, that, that those scoring all those goals has actually finally given them a positive goal difference this season. And that could make a difference come the end of the season for Dartford. Yeah, well, you think about three wins, they're on 25 points in 17th place in the division. So they've jumped up from there. It's been a very good Christmas for them. Steve King, I'm still surprised that they, Dartford went for him, but you know what you're going to get. And it's working for him at the moment. And as we said before, he knows his level so, so well and what the players he can do. He's got clearly so many contacts heading in the right direction. So um, the pain of a few years ago, I'm sure Dartford are looking up and probably as supporters in um, 2020, I think Dartford fans are probably really looking forward to this year as it goes forward. But yeah, you cannot grumble with the job he's doing, Steve King. No, Maidstone United, uh, they had a up and down time really. They were beaten by Dorking on the Saturday before Christmas 3-2, uh, letting a lead slip again. Uh, then their game at Tunbridge on Boxing Day was called off. Uh, they then thumped Dulwich Hamlet 4-1 on the Saturday the 28th before a 2-2 draw on New Year's Day with Tunbridge Angels. Now, um, we've discussed before, I made so underachieving, overachieving, one of each for them over the, over the festive period. And they'll be looking at it and thinking there are deficiencies there because they are struggling to hold on to a lead. Yeah, um, have they got much experience? You've got Kobe, we said that before. Have they got much experience in the spine of the side to see games out? I think Haken Hayretin has said maybe that that's what they need to add to the squad from that point of view. Tumbridge, good result for Tumbridge yesterday. Um, it just makes that, and it also makes that they don't keep clean sheets today, which is I think is a big concern for them as well. Um, they can score goals, but they do ship goals, which is a problem. Even though the goal difference is quite good, they do ship quite a few goals they have done recently. And that was his one, particularly at home. But big game for them this weekend again. Having them all to lose it away. If they can win that, gives them in a good position. But if they don't, I, I can't see them winning the league from this position they're in at the moment. They're going to hope for the playoffs. But then the experience of John Steele comes through. But I still think a little bit they're underachieving. I'm not, this is not a pod to have a go at Maystone, but I still think they're underachieving a little bit. Maybe he still hasn't got the squad. John still hasn't got the squad he, he feels can get. He's, he probably thinks he can do, get better players in to move him up the league a little bit. 
Yeah, and they've changed their goalkeeper as well, haven't they? Chris Lewington back in yeah. instead of Jake Cole, but it's still not really working. And, you know, they'll look at it and say, yeah, we've got four points over Christmas, but they've also conceded six goals in those three games, which is not ideal for a team that are chasing uh, towards the top of the table. Tunbridge Angels, uh, they were unlucky to, to come away from Hemel Hempstead with a one-all draw on the Saturday before Christmas. A last-minute goal, pegging back a, a pretty depleted Tunbridge Angels side uh, before they were beaten at Dartford, but bounced back with that point uh, on New Year's Day at Maidstone United. And they're still in the relegation zone, Tunbridge Angels. There's still work to do, but they're hanging on in there, aren't they? And that's all they can really do. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic result for them again to come back from behind twice against Maidstone shows a bit of character. Um, I think that we always thought it would be a struggle for them, but... Again, the games I've got coming up, Chippenham, obviously, they've got home on Saturday, I think. Beat them, they go ahead of Chippenham, so that's another massive game. And they get good support, Tumbridge Angels. And again, nobody expects them to be riding high, flying high in the division, but still second from bottom. But there's a bit of a gap from Hungerford there. I think doing okay, doing okay. So it's still a long way to go in this division. They've only played half their games, so I'm sure Steve McKim with his contacts and with his ability, can get them out of it. And as we said before, even if it is from third from bottom, that is like winning the division, I think, for Tunbridge this year. Yeah, one team who is looking over their shoulders at Tunbridge Angels are Welling United. Uh, I was at their game at Eastbourne on Saturday and after the game, I spoke to midfielder Danny Waldron. Um, I've cut this interview down a little bit, obviously make it a little bit less time sensitive, but he basically says they've got the, the strength in the squad to, to get out of this, but it's just not clicking at the moment. So here is Welling United's Danny Waldron. We just got to really find something now between us as a team. Fans also, I know, I mean, at the end there, they were showing their frustration and they're well within their rights to show their frustration. I fully get it. Amazing support from them today for the way things have been. And they've travelled all the way up to Eastbourne today to watch us. And it's just so disappointing the way we couldn't give them something to to go home happy about. Until you're frustrated, until you're disappointed. What's it like when you're in a team where, where, where you feel like you, you're up against it and confidence is obviously low? Mm. Well, I've been there. I've been there before. I've been, I've been in teams when you're winning every week and the feeling's brilliant and the togetherness is there naturally. And I've been in teams where you're not winning every week and it is relegation form. As, as I said, we are in relegation form right now. Um, so I'm going to do my best to, to add the qualities that I have leadership-wise to trying to get everybody going, trying to say the right things in the dressing room, trying to do the right things on the pitch and say the right things on the pitch and get these boys going. You know, because as I said, there's a lot of young lads in there right now. And you're right, everything seems to be to be going against us. I felt decisions today didn't go against us. We were just talking about it in there. But that is what happens when you're in the place that we are. So all you need is fight and battle. You're fighting against everything at the moment. And we need to show that fight and we need to show that desire to get out of the situation that we're in right now. You've got some very talented players. It's just about making something click, isn't it? More than talented. More than talented. And you're right, it is, it is about making something click. And uh, it's just not happening right now. And as I said, I've been in this position before and the teams that I've been in this position with before have had superb players as well. When it's not going for you, it's not going for you. I mean, I go back to Jose Mourinho at Chelsea, the team that they had one time, and they were struggling. They couldn't buy a win. And this is Chelsea. It happens at all levels. You know what I mean? And it's happening right now with us. And we've just got to get together as a group of lads and try our hardest to give everything we have every time we cross that line. It's tough, Matt. They, they really didn't play very well on, on Saturday, Welling. Uh, and it says it all that they played... Well, they had three games over the Christmas period, um, but the best result they had was a game postponed at, at Wealdstone. Um, for, for large parts of the game, I mean, they, yeah, it finished 2-1, but they scored in like the 96th minute. 
And it's just not working. And you look at some of the players they've got there. They've got some good players, Welling United. So what's going on? I don't know. I looked at the team they gave at Eastbourne. I thought they do have some good players, very experienced players who played at this level <laughs> and above as well. The issues they've got, clearly got financial issues at the club. Mark Goldberg, being the manager, chairman, etc., wasn't been at the games over Christmas. And I know he's put a... Um, a report on the on the club website about it how it's quite a stressful thing trying to run the club and I mentioned that trying to look to maybe move to a new ground to try and bring more money in for that point of view but um, yes it's a strange one and I can see one of the Wellings fans frustrations of being Mark Goldberg being away over Christmas and Hugo Langton we know pretty well has taken that burden on I and mean, when I was listening to him on Ridae who kept coming back from Bromley he said that they haven't been training they've got financial issues Welling are always one of these clubs who are always either riding high or they've got problems, but they've always got a hardcore support of 500 or so from there. But, yeah, not good at the moment, Mark Goldberg not being there. Like I say, you know, you can see why he's not there, but if a Welling fan, you'd be disappointed from that point of view. And when you think they had Steve King back in the last season as manager and what he's done at Darford, financial concentration is always going to affect Welling uh, from that point of view. And it clearly, hopefully, it's not going to get any worse for them. Yeah, Mark Goldberg has written an open letter to the supporters on the Welling United website. Uh, he does say, I apologise to supporters for having to suffer the disappointment of our form on the field and the recent embarrassment of losing to our neighbours on Boxing Day, followed by further defeat against Eastbourne. Heightened by the fact that I am away during this crucial period, I acknowledge the criticism, especially with the knowledge, without the knowledge of what goes on behind the scenes. And I also understand if I was paying a manager to do the job, I certainly wouldn't expect him to be away during this crucial period. Uh, however, as hard as it is to admit, the financial pressures of supporting our club have taken its toll on me and I make no excuses for needing to take time out with my family. Uh, that You can read that full statement, as I say, on the Welling United website. Um, I, the fans were very frustrated uh, at Eastbourne on Saturday. Uh, understandably so, that some were chanting, where's the manager? Uh, where's our Welling gone? Was also coming out from there. And as you say, Matt, Steve King was in charge this time last year. They got to the playoff final. You know, they, they were almost back in the National League and now here they are standing, look, looking over their shoulders, possibly heading back towards the Isthmian League and they just need a, a spark from somewhere. And, and the players that they've got there, as you say, Matt, it's a strong team they've got. They made a lot of changes down at Eastbourne, but still, the players that they've got there are experienced players. You've just got to keep an eye on it. And, and, and you know, I, I'm worried for Welling United and, and, and I just wonder if Mark Goldberg says about all these stresses, maybe... Maybe it's time for him to sort of say, right, well, I'll stay as chairman, but maybe find someone who can be in charge of that team. Yeah, I didn't realise how low they've dropped, really. When you look at the league table, they're, they're just a couple of points above the drop zone. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, but, you know, the, the Welling run by the Hobbins for such a long time, and they were punching above their weight with the divisions in the conference for many years. Jamie Day, they've been there. AD Pennock did a great job getting to where the levels they are. It's always a difficult location for, for Welling, of course, when you think about it, where they are close to London. But I mentioned they've got hardcore support of 500 or so. Did, the players weren't getting the stick. It was the management, I take it, at Eastbourne. It was a bit of both, actually. There, there, there wasn't... The, both the players and, and Hugo Langton went over to the supporters and none of them came back particularly happy, uh, it's safe to say. Uh, and uh, I think there were there were certainly some some cross words, but uh, both Hugo and, as we've heard, Danny Wardrop both kind of said, you know, we hold our hands up, you know, we deserve the criticism, but they've just got to find a way to, to stop the rot, and that is the big problem, isn't it? Since I've been following football, Welling have always been in the top two, as it is now, reams of non-league football. 
I cannot believe a club, club the size of Welling and the way they've been run, they're not a Ryman Premier League club. They're a solid conference outside. But unless they can look at the issues they've got, and maybe Mark Goldberg looks at the issues they've got, they could be looking at a relegation at the moment. And with the players they've got, which I clearly think there's, there's an issues with payments as well because of the training and what I can gather. Yeah, yeah sad times for Welling because they're a great football club. Yeah, this weekend it's Dorking Wanderers against Dartford, Haven at Waterlooville against Maidstone, Tommy Jones against Chippenham and Welling against Weymouth in the National League South. Into the Isthmian League Premier Division then, where there's been uh, five fixtures involving our three teams since we last spoke to you. Uh, on the 21st, we had Margate nil, Leatherhead nil. And then on Boxing Day, it was Cray Wanderers nil, Leatherhead 1. Uh, Folks in Invicta 4, Margate nil. Margate 3, Cray Wanderers 4 yesterday. Uh, two goals for Joe Taylor, of course, in that game. And Folks in stay top of the league uh, after a 4 0 win at Merston. They are level on points with Worthing at the top of the table. Cray are in 6th. And Margate in 14th with just two home wins from nine league games. But they have announced three new signings, uh, including the return of Liam Friend. We'll be talking about where he's moved from uh, later on. Uh, but Margate needs to find some way of, of, of getting getting back. And, and seeing Margate fans on, on social media as well, they're disappointed with the attendances. It's just, something's just not right there, is it? Yeah, Mark, yeah there's just over 300 there. Guy I work with, he went to the game. He said that Margaret came back into the game and could have gone and won it, but then they fell apart again. Yeah, it's a tough job that Jay Saunders is um, he's working with there. Liam Fred's come in, didn't have the greatest game, he said, against uh, Joe Taylor. Of course, Joe Taylor was at Margate before. Yeah, to be honest, I said to him, is that the season over? He said, the season's over now. So they're not going to get promoted, shouldn't get relegated from that division. But just disappointing that... And again, the overall of players as well, which I'd say is a bit of a concern. There's a lot of players coming and going, can't get a settled sort of side as well, Jay Saunders. And, you know, we know what he can do at this level if he, if he's given the resources and the time to do it. So it's a little bit disappointing for Margate and the shipping goals all over the place as well. Exactly, yes. Uh, this weekend this doesn't get a lot easier for them as they go to Bogner Regis, uh, who hit lots past them the other the last time they played. Folks in Victor are also on the road as they go to Brighton Sea Regent, uh, and it's Cray Wanderers against Wingate and Finchley uh, in the Isthmian League Premier Division. Uh, in Can I play the folks in there, I have to say, you know, scoring goals, they've got some good players, you know, Jackson, they've brought McKenzie in from Tunbridge, haven't they? He's a proven goal scorer. Not standing on their laurels this season. I'll tell you, is it one up, one up from the playoffs this year again? I'll keep asking these questions. It is, yeah. One up and one up from the playoffs as well, yeah. So We mentioned that I've never seen Welling and never been to the Roman Premier League. Folkestone getting to the conference now would be an unbelievable achievement. So, and um, they're in the right direction and what a good job. There used to be a club that yo-yo between Roman Premier and Roman South or whatever it's called now, but now they're heading in the right direction. It shows what a great job Neil Cudley and... You know, we didn't look back on it. Surely the Kent manager of the decade there. Oh. You know, the last 20 years, I've always been at Folkestone. So, still doing it. Still um, doing a fantastic job. Yeah, back-to-back 4-0 wins is, is just what you want over the over the festive period. And, uh, yeah, doing absolutely brilliantly there at the moment, uh, our folks. And, and hopefully they can continue uh, their good run of form. Although I'd imagine, I've never been to Brightlingsea region. But you know what? I've got a feeling that's going to be a horrible place to go on the first Saturday of January. Yeah, what, is that Essex, right? Is it Brighton Sea? Yeah. Is it Brighton Sea? Well, I assume so. I'm going to look it up right now. Hang on a second. Brighton Sea. It's, it's one of these been. places uh, we're going to um, the, uh, not Bognos, the holiday camps, what are they called? Pontins, Butlins? Um, well, there's one at Bognor. 
Butlins, yeah. It sounds like it's Butlins at Brightlinsea. So it sounds a lot of, again, yeah, this is very um, ages, it sounds like a lot of old people live in Brightlinsea. Yeah. Know why. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is up by the. Well, it's yeah, sort of by the sea, not not far from Clacton. So you know that people yeah, say, that sort of area, yeah. could Messi do it on a wet Wednesday in Stoke? Could he do it on a freezing cold Saturday at Brightland Sea? Now that I'd we'll like to that. see. Jackson could. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, into the Eastman League South East Division, where we'll start with an interview. Uh, it was probably the perfect start to 2024 Herne Bay, as they recorded a 3-0 win over their fiercest rivals, Whitstall Town at Winches Field. And that, funnily enough, was my first question to manager Ben Smith. Yeah, I mean, any win would, would do. Um, but yeah, 3-0, yeah, couldn't have gone any better, really, for us. Um, the performance on the day wasn't our best, um, but, you know, we've, we've, we've played a lot better in the August game against Wixtable and, and lost 3-0 so that's how the derby goes um, and you're just pleased to get over the line really and I suppose it's nice to get that, that bit of revenge then having lost but by that same score yeah I mean we we got a little you know a little bit of a revenge in the uh, the Velocity Cup um, where although it's a bit, yeah, the League Cup both sides put strong sides out to be fair um, so we beat them there it's 3-4-1 um, so we had little bit of revenge on that one um but this yeah this sort of really puts it in, in the past really that that august game um and for the, for the fans really more than anything um gives them something to sort of brag about for another yeah, what 12 months <laughs> more than 800 people there as well yesterday that's that's fantastic isn't it yeah our, our attendances are growing um you know i've been growing all season um you know obviously we expect it to be a bumper crowd against which ball but you know that's the biggest uh the biggest crowd we've had, or Herne Bay have had, uh, in the local derby uh, between the two sides since they've gone back to step four. Um, so what a good you know, seven, eight years. Um, so, yeah, really pleased with that. Um, helps the, helps the uh, treasurer out, I think. Um, you know, and, and it just shows that there's a good appetite for local football in the area. Looking at the league table, you've snuck up to just outside the playoffs. You must be really pleased with how it's going. Yeah, really pleased. Um, obviously, you get nothing for this stage of the season, do you? Um, you know, and it, it is a tight league. You know, you lose a couple of games and, and suddenly you, you find yourself mid-table and, and you know, quite a few points adrift. Um, so it's, it's it's about not getting carried away. Yes, we're delighted with our position, really, because you know, with the game in hand as well, we can we can get really tight to those, uh, those, those top clubs. Um, and we've played a lot of them as well. Um, so we, I think we're... We're sitting in a good place, but you know we've, we've got to make sure we uh, continue this run. How was it for you over the festive period? With with obviously you had the game at Hastings called off very late in the day, and you know not everyone's played a lot of games over Christmas. What, what was that like for you? It was, it was difficult because we had a good, obviously a good run of form, um, and then suddenly you're not playing for for weeks. And although we'd we'd had our Christmas do together, and, you know we, we'd been to the Hastings, you know we'd. we'd sort of got together at the Hastings game and we trained at Faversham when that was called off. It still felt like we hadn't really sort of been together much over the, over that period. Um, where obviously there was no game, um, it, it did break up our, our rhythm and I think we saw that in the first half, get to, to be honest. Um, yeah, the, the nature of the Hastings postponement, you know, sort of left a sour taste in everything um, with how late in the day it was. Um but yeah, you know that's that's non-league, and you have to get get on with it, don't you? Um, we now have to go there midweek um, on a Tuesday night and, and make sure we sort of make them pay for it. 
it's it's a funny league, isn't it? As you say, like you know, the, the, the Hastings are obviously right at the top of it, but everyone just seems to sort of be able to have that capability to beat each other in a lot of cases. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, we've not seen a team that have been you know, head and shoulders uh, above everyone else yet. Um, I've heard Hastings might be that team, um, and from the, the little snippets I've seen, that you know they could well be, but. It doesn't seem like there's a Cray Cray one was in the in the in the league this year. Um, you know, I think even even lower down, you think the, the likes of East Winstead, they, they weren't that bad when we played them at our place. Um, so yeah, it really is a, a case of uh, keeping your consistency, and you've got to stay on it every every single game, um, which is great really um, because it's it makes it an exciting league. How, how have you found management at this level compared to the scaffold? <clears throat> A lot, a lot different. To be fair, um, I was always of the opinion. Well, you know, it's not a lot different. Um, you know, the, the top sides in the scaffold will do really well in in this league, and you know, I think probably prove right on what in one sense with Cray Valley they've they've done well. Um, I'm sure they will say it's a hell of a lot different to the scaffold. Um, I think it's I think it's a big gap to be honest with you in, in terms of quality um, in depth. Um, because as, as you just said, everyone could beat everyone, um, and there's players dropping down two, three leagues to play in this league now. Um, so, wearing the scaffold, you'd probably know know eighty, ninety percent of the players that are in it. Um, in this league, it's it, it can be difficult because you, you've obviously you've never never seen players that have played two, three leagues higher. Um, so you've got to do a lot more homework. Um, that's for sure, um, and. And yeah, you've got to be at it every single week. There's no no let off in the scaffold. You could probably get away with a couple of weeks where you didn't get into the boys as much as what you what you've done previously, and you'd still maybe get through and, and, and get a win. Whereas in this league, if you're not at it, and that's management players, then you're going to get beat. Obviously, Zach Hans is still banging the goals in as well. Fourteen he's got for you so far. Fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> uh, Fifteen. Yeah. Um, no, he's doing doing well. Um, and again, I think I think he can get that thirty mark. I said it. I said it to you on the, on this podcast pre-season. I thought with Zach, we've got a thirty goal man, um, and I think that's that's proven to be right. I think it's fifteen in sixteen games he's got, uh, fifteen goals in sixteen games. So uh, it's, it's well on on the mark for that. Um, what I need now is a couple of other lads popping up and going and getting ten, fifteen themselves. Um, it's all well and good Zach getting thirty, but. That doesn't get you anywhere. Um, it's it's the like the likes of our midfielders and, and wingers popping up and, and getting to that double figure as well. That's what tips you over the mark and gets you into a playoff spot. And uh, looking at the weekend, uh, Cray Valley obviously last year some some scars still for you, I'd imagine. <laughs> I think there'll always be scars from that. <laughs> I think anyone anyone has lost the semi final of the Vars will, will probably uh, say the same. Um, you, you never forget it. Um, what I will say, and I've said to other people, is that if we were going to lose, it couldn't have been to a, a nicer group of people. Um, so, you know, we, we supported them in the final, and now it's a case of trying to trying to get one over on them. Um, but, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, do you want revenge and things like that? It's, you know, that's, that's gone now, it's in the past, um, and it's another game of football. Um, we've got a very different side than what we had at Canterbury, um, so we'll be approaching it in a very different way, um, which, again, makes it quite interesting. Um, and we know how tough they're going to be. That's the, that's the one 
the beauty of playing Cray Valley at this time is that we're in good form. Um, and I don't think many people will, will know their strengths and weaknesses um, as much as I have, um, obviously from the, from the time in the scaffold. Um, but we know it's, it's going to be a tough game there. Um, so if we can, we can come away with something, then that, that really sets us up uh, for the rest of the rest of the season. You'll be hearing more from Ben later on in the show as well, uh, for probably obvious reasons you can guess. But um, talk about Herm Bay. That's a fantastic result. And, and when I looked at the league table yesterday after that result, I was very surprised to see that they've just snuck up on the outside of the playoffs there, Matt. Yeah, we know Ben um, from his Canterbury days. He's got a good job there. Interesting what he said about how different it is since the manager at a different level, uh, the, the different quality of play, but he's working with it, works within his school. job. Well, most important, impressive thing of that was the gate as well. I saw that over 800 for that, so that shows that there's you know a, thung, a, hurt, a thirst and a hunger for football in that part of the uh, the county. And he's doing a fantastic job with Timby Dixon behind him now, going in the right direction as well. So we always expect in the Isthmian League that one of our sides will get promoted from it. Herne Bay going in the right direction again, punching above their weight, arguably, but. Um, I think he'd be, even if it's not going to be this year, they're building a squad up, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, exactly. And, and Herm Bay, you, you know, you say about the crowd there, and they're not a club where there's someone's going to be chucking loads of money in it. So the the crowds do make a massive difference, and the, the crowd seems to be increasing week on week there uh, at Winch's Field. And, and 800 people is, is absolutely phenomenal uh, for for a New Year's Day game. And, it's, and as you say, it's great to see everybody getting behind it, and that's really going to help them going forward because if they can keep maintaining those crowds, and you know. A 3-0 victory, most of those people will have gone home happy and be looking at the fixtures thinking, well, when can we come back? And that's all you can do. Yeah, I think that when you always get a good crowd on New Year, can we get results? And we try and entice people back. And it seems like, uh, even though he wasn't happy with the performance, 3-0, nobody looks back there. They probably enjoyed themselves down there. Go again. Yeah, I'm really pleased for them. One team who didn't have such a good Christmas was Ramsgate. They played twice, uh, but they were thumped 7-0 in the last of those games at Sittingbourne on Saturday the 28th. And that was the end for their management team, headed up by Jason Lillis. Uh, he stepped away. Well, it, it was listed as mutual, and, and he put a statement up saying that it was because he didn't have the time to make the commitment uh, that's going to be needed with the change there, with Paul Bowden Brown having moved on, and a new chairman coming in, James Lawson, uh, the son of Richard Lawson. Uh, so... Jason Lillis and co have stepped away. Matt Longhurst, the former East Grinstead town manager, uh, has come in. He obviously knows the remit uh, of what's expected of him at Southwood. But after such high expectations at the start of the season for Ramsgate, it's all gone very, very wrong, hasn't it, Matt? Yeah, and I think the, the likes of Liam Friend leaving, Tom Wynth has gone to Hyde. Clearly, that I would have thought the money's gone for, from that. And we're going to discuss other clubs as well, because unfortunately, they this podcast, looking at it, this time of year, certain clubs are running out of money. And Ramsgate, we looked at the start of the season, yeah, good manager, good side, on paper they brought in. Paul Bowden-Brown does back his managers, but it's been an absolute appalling. I couldn't believe they lost 7-0 at Sittingbourne. Show you what, Chris Lynch is doing a good job at Sittingbourne there, but Ramsgate, clearly, issues there. Matt Longhurst, did a decent, he's East Grinstead, I think he was, wasn't he? Decent job he's done there, so he knows his level, but it's an absolute challenge for him as well, particularly if he's got, you know, not a great deal of money to work with. So, yeah, I feel for the Rams, because, you know, Ramsgate were on the brink of the Conference South, what, maybe in the middle of the, uh, uh, the last five, six, seven years ago under Jim Ward and Danny Ward, but it's all gone a little bit wrong from that point of view, and it always brings up the subject here, and you think, you know, you know it would cause a lot of issues. Ramsgate, Margate, not having great times, 
yeah, could you merge again? Could you build a nice ground at Manston, etc., like that? I know you've got a few theories about that as well, John. But the area of Thanet could support a successful football club at the moment. Struggling to support two unsuccessful football clubs. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I've had stories before about that merger. I think I better steer clear. I got called a terrible yeah. journalist for one of them. Um, but yeah, um, I, 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 again, from my point of view, I, I'm not a Ram, Margate and Ramsgate fan. So if it was happening to my team, I'd probably be kicking up fast. But you know, a lot of people live in Thanet. Um, if you got decent facilities and a, and a successful football team, people would come and watch it. But Again, it's probably history that you probably can't mix with when you really, but it would, it would make a little bit of sense, and I don't mean to be upset any Ramsgate or Margate fans listening in. Yeah, I, I did just have a very quick anecdote I want to give about the new Ramsgate manager, Matt Longhurst. Uh, I've met Matt Longhurst once uh, at Southwood, funnily enough, because uh, I did... I can't even remember wh- why I did it, but I, I, I covered a game at Margate and then went to Ramsgate after the game to get reaction, and... and uh, we had a paper in East Grinstead as well, so uh, I interviewed Matt Longhurst, went and sort of dragged him out of the bar and said, I didn't see the game, talk me through it. Um, and that day, one East Grinstead supporter had followed them from East Grinstead down to Ramsgate, and uh, they were beaten 4-0. And Matt Longhurst said to me, he said, I've, I've told the players that we've got to buy him dinner. So they, <laughs> there, there was a, a lone East Grinstead fan who had dinner bought for him by uh, the, the players after a 4-0 defeat at Ramsgate. Uh, and I... I said, well, I hope he went somewhere expensive. I think he went to Weatherspoons, but uh, there you go. Uh, everyone kind of managed to play over the festive period, just about. On Saturday the 21st, uh, it was Ramsgate Neil Hyde 2. Boxing Day, Whitstable 1, Ashford 2. Uh, on the 28th, as we already mentioned, it was Sitting World 7, Ramsgate Neil. The 29th, VCD 2, Phoenix Sports 3. Um, and then on New Year's Day, Ashford beat three bridges by three goals to nil. It was Herne Bay 3, Whitstable nil, as we've already heard. Hyde beat Faversham 2-1, and it was 7 Oaks 1, Cray Valley PM 1. Uh, this weekend, it's Burgess Hill Town against Ashford United, Cray Valley against Herne Bay, East Quincy Town against Sittingbourne, Faversham against Chichester, Ramsgate take on VCD, Whitehawk host Hyde Town, uh, and Whitstable take on 7 Oaks. Then on Sunday, uh, Phoenix make the trip to Guernsey. Uh, and on Tuesday, it's Seven Oaks against Hayward Teeth and BCD Athletic against Chichester. Uh, so lots going on there. Um, we do have to kind of rush through things now because nearly in the Matt Jarrell's lunch hour. We've got a lot of... Start the new year not having a late, long, late exactly. lunch. Exactly. I've got to be show, show willingness and keenness. Exactly. Which I do every day, of course. Yeah, office. and the Southern Counties East League, we've got to talk about Canterbury City. Uh, as I had the former Canterbury City manager, Ben Smith, on the phone earlier on, I thought I might as well ask him the question. Obviously, um, long-term listeners of the show will know that Ben was the Canterbury manager uh, for a couple of years until last season when uh, they had to concede their last game of the season after Ben uh, left the club and all of his players uh, left. And lo and behold, few... Uh, History has repeated itself with Clive Cook and all of his players uh, leaving Canterbury City uh, before the game on the 21st of December, which was called off anyway um, before the pitch inspection at Tunbridge Wells. Uh, they managed to, they've appointed new managers that managed to get a team together uh, to lose 3 0 at home to, de- to deal on Saturday. Uh, but here's Ben Smith on what's going on at Canterbury from, from his point of view. You know, you hear the rumours um, before it comes out and you think, oh, my. As much as I dislike and don't think certain people should be running football clubs, um, I, when I'm hearing that they're going to fold and things like that, you know, it, it is really sad because I put a lot of time, a lot of energy, and so a lot of other people um, into that football club. Um, thankfully, it's not that's not the case. Um, but again, it's 
you know, if uh, if people people didn't quite believe what was going on last year, um, you just have to look at the way they treated the players again this year. Um, you can you can say that we're cutting budgets and things like that, and that's and that's any club's prerogative to do. Um, but you know, you don't sign a player two weeks before on, on good money, etc., because and then then knowing full well you're going to cut the budget in a week's time. I mean. Not paying the players for five weeks, and we've got that. It's just, it's just, it's a car crash, yeah. um, and it's happened time and time again. I wasn't the first manager that happened to, and I was, I was lucky really. It didn't happen to me um, that early. Um, it took a long while for it to happen. Um, Clive's obviously found out that it's happened pretty quickly to him, and I'm sure it'll end up happening again. They'll have a period of stability, and then bang, it will go again. Um, so it's a yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, I'm sure. Um, uh, hopefully, at some point, someone looks at it and thinks, you know what, maybe other people, fresh blood, are the right people to come in and, and take the club forward uh, behind the scenes. I think the general consensus, Matt, is, is what Ben said there. It's just really sad, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know they could be folding Canterbury. And I remember... Um, Canterbury always had issues when Longmead was. What was they playing? Kingsmead. Play Kingsmead, Kingsmead, not Longmead, yeah. Um, great old ground. I went there many a times watching Dover in my day. And, but they've always had issues when, when, when that went. Yeah, and I'm going. And you think, again, could they support a football team? Clearly, the rugby team does very well. The cricket's always based there. And maybe they're not a footballing city. Um, We've well, got the cricket club as well there as well, don't forget. Yeah, yeah, the cricket club, so um, very successful. So, yeah, it's just, just, um, just a little bit disappointing um, of how it's gone on from this. Again, I don't know the where's and where's about, but when I looked at the side they picked against Deal, there was a couple of players I knew from, I think the, the new manager's come in and he's got youth-based football um, managerial experience and a couple of players there, I think, from the Dover Academy were playing again. But clearly it's, not having your own ground, not having any money coming in, the problem with the ground of not being the, the planning commission, planning permission being granted, it has caused them problems. And go from that point of view, but what he said there about, you know, maybe they were trying to run before they could walk money-wise, that's caused them problems. But I feel for Clive Cook, uh, he's probably sold something that definitely wasn't, but it's a level of football that, Sometimes these things happen at this level of football, but I feel sorry for the, the supporters of Canterbury. I went to the semi-final against Cray Valley at uh, Faversham, and there there were people vocal, and you could see people get behind the scene, but disappointed if they haven't got a, a team to support. Chris Wal- Walcott and Josh Hall are the new managers at, uh, at Canterbury City, and uh, I think the statement when they were appointed was fairly ominous, because uh, the pair will start work immediately, with the first goal being to put out a side in our league game at home to deal. Uh, which, as we said, they did manage. Um, but you just kind of wonder uh, what the future is going to hold for that club because it's it's just really sad that, you know, the, the, the city of Canterbury is one of the biggest places without a team uh, at a high level playing there. Um, and, and, you know, they're just kind of... It's just all gone wrong. And you just wonder if, if you know, something else might happen. And, and I'm aware of, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Matt, there's a... Uh, they're on Twitter at Canterbury UTDFC. Canterbury United uh, are on the horizon. Now, could they be perhaps ready to step in? I don't know. Um, but th- 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 there is the potential in Canterbury, 
but it's just a matter of, of making it happen and, and getting into the state, in, back into the city is the biggest thing. Well, I think that's what it is. How many years have they been without it? You can see Maystone, when they were out at the Kansas Town, had a bit of football pedigree. Canterbury, you know, haven't in my lifetime had any football pedigree. So they, they haven't got the, the hardcore support of all follow them to carry on with it. And once, you, once you're out there and you're not in the public domain or not playing in, the, in your own location, your own city, it can cause problems. And again, there may be other sides can take it in, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's terrible, but I'm not surprised, to be honest. Um, football, football is going in this direction, and there may be probably as other clubs that in this area or abroad are struggling financially, and maybe that's they're going to have even more problems. But it's very sad to see something like um, Canterbury have these sort of problems because there's good people behind the scenes, and you know, we've interviewed before on our radio program as well that there's people who, who do care for that club, but you know, unless you've got a bottomless pit, even running football at that level can be tough. Exactly, it certainly can. Uh, the weather played a big part in the scaffold on Saturday, 21st December. In fact, there was only one game in the Premier Division. Uh, not a bad day for Sheffield United. as They won 7-1 away to K Sports. Uh, on Saturday, the 28th, uh, there was a full programme of fixtures. Canterbury City, Neil Deal Town 3, as we've already heard. A crowd of 927 saw Chatham Town beat Sheffield United 3-2. Everything Belvedere beat Glebe by five goals to two. Beckenham continued to march at the top of the league with a 3-1 win at Erith Town. It was Greenwich 4, Wellingtown 3, uh, Lordswood Neil Hollands and Blair 3, Punjab United 2, Corinthian 3, and Tunbridge Wells 4, Crowborough 1. Another great attendance there, 478 at the Colverdon on that Saturday in between Christmas and New Year. And, and normally we wouldn't mention AFC Croydon or Fisher due to their uh, geographic location, but that game was abandoned due to racism. The allegations of racism made by a Fisher player saying that he had been racially abused by an AFC Croydon player. Uh, and you really do wonder what it's going to take uh, for this to stop. We're seeing it more and more frequently. We see it at Tottenham. We see it abroad. We see it, um, was it James McLean of, of uh, Stoke yesterday? What is wrong with people? Why can't you just be nice to people? I don't understand, Matt. Well, it, it's, it's a, again, every year, even, it seems to be coming down a lot more than, I remember in the 80s when I was growing up on the terraces, you know, you did hear stuff from then. I haven't heard anything since I've been game for the last 25 years, but it, since that sort of time. But now it seems to be more and more prevalent, which maybe it's been going under the radar and people haven't had the the, the concern to keep mentioning it all the time. And maybe it's an, an unwritten thing that it did go on, but it's absolutely terrible. And hopefully they can sort their problem out from that point of view. Yes, uh, full league programme this weekend uh, as January 2020 kicks off for the Scaffold sides on Saturday. AFC Croydon against Irith and Belvedere, Beersted against Irith Town, Beckenham Town against Chatham Town. That's a big old game at the top of the table. Uh, Corinthian host Deal Town, Lordswood travel to Crowborough, it's Fisher against Tunbridge Wells, Glebe against Canterbury City, Hollands and Blair against Wellington, K Sports against Punjab United, and Sheppey United are at home to Greenwich Borough. Uh, now, that game finished 10 0 to Sheppey United the last time they met, so uh, perhaps uh, take an abacus if you're going along to Home Park uh, on Saturday. Uh, in Division 1, on the 21st, it was Croydon 2, Forest Hill Park 1, Kennington 2, Lidtown 0, uh, Meridian, Meridian VP 0, SC Thamesmead 4. Uh, and then on Saturday, the 28th, it was Bryden Ropes 1, Meridian VP 2, Forest Hill 3, Lewisham Borough 2, Greenways 3, Kennington 5, 
Lidtown nil, Snodland nil, SC Thamesmead four, Rustall one, Stansford one, Kempfort United nil, and Sutton Athletic one, FC Elmstead one. And I suppose standing out from that, Matt, a uh, good couple of days for SC Thamesmead. Eight goals scored, one goal conceded. Uh, and that division is, we say it about a lot of leagues, but anyone can beat anyone in that league. Because Rustall, quite under the top of the table, beaten 4-1. Uh, for, for a time... Uh, Rochester United, well, the Rochester United are still top, but for a time they had a negative goal difference. They've turned that around now. Uh, they've got a goal difference of 11. Uh, but that league is, with four promotion places, that league is, is going to be excellent all the way up. Yeah, I can always keep it like that for my Lidtown. I found another player I know, a link to me, who, played for Lidtown, who plays for Lidtown as well, Bradley, who, um, one of my good mates, his nephew, uh, so he's been sitting for a while, and he's playing for Lidtown. He said he said had clubs, looking at him from a higher level as well. I won't know who those clubs are, but uh, yeah, interesting uh, uh, times. And that's a great division, a great breeding ground as we had when we had Josh on before earlier in the season uh, for players. So yeah, uh, and if you are a player who wants to get up youngster in academy, go and play in that division because you'll, you'll get kicked and it might hurt a little bit, but you'll get an absolute grounding in football. You certainly will. Well, that is uh, pretty much it uh, for this week's Kent Only podcast, the first show of 2020 it's, it's, it's good to be back uh matt i hope you've enjoyed yourself not let me speak to you john of course who else would i want to spend my longest telephone conversation of 2020 thus far with you <laughs> well we can't wait we'll, we'll do another one next week shall we um yeah, and beat that. yeah as always you can follow us on social media at kent nl podcast uh, on twitter and on facebook with kent non-league uh, I'm at John Phipps 81 Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard, both on Twitter. Um, we're, we're quite friendly, but do feel free to, to get in touch with us. Um, Monday night, we are back on, on Ray, Boosie Radio Kent. We're going to talk about the Open Golf, and Matt's working on getting an absolute legend uh, to join us on the show as well. Um, so that'll be good, as well as looking back at, at all the football uh, that's happened over the weekend, uh, both in the FA Cup and in the non-leagues. So covering as many Kent teams as we can in that show. Uh, but all that really remains to say is thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, it's great to be back in 2020. Looking forward to bringing you more of this uh, this award-nominated uh, podcast. That was a few years ago, mate. That. Oh, come on. I'm clinging on to it. Uh, over the course of 2020, uh, various days, we'll be doing it all over the place uh, as and when. But, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. But thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you've all had a great Christmas and New Year. And we will speak to you all next week. Right. Back in the zone. Back at work. In the zone.